الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ومن اقتدى بسنته إلى يوم ديني أما بعد نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى ويسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى for his aid and his assistance and his tawfiq and hidayah and guidance to that which is aqwa and that which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have reached a halfway stage in this blessed month of Ramadan and <clears throat> at this stage is a point where all have to or everyone has to uh, reflect on themselves and what they have done and achieved during this time and we can either be one or two types of people at this stage in the month of Ramadan in general either the one that has exhorted immense effort and and has done ibadah and worship from the salawat and the, the qiyam and the prayers and the du'as and also the siyam bi ahkamihi wajibatihi wa mustahabatihi from the fasting and, and the obligatory aspects of the fast and the preferred aspect and encourage aspects of the fasting or there can be an individual from amongst us who has indeed not uh, fulfilled that which is required uh, as a fasting person and the effort is somewhat not enough or deficient and this these two situations no doubt we are either from number one or number two if we are from those who have um, worked very hard to the to the maximum ability that they have in ibadah in this month then the individual should not have any ujub should not have any self amazement as Ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala in Muqtasar Manhaj Al-Qasideen he said rahimahullah that the individual who has this self-amazement should reflect on who has given him the tawfiq for that ibadah and it's not actually due to your quwa it's due to the, the, to the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his kindness and guided you to perform the siyam, the fasting, accordingly. So it should increase you in tawadu and humility and increase you in loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and elevating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorifying Him for guiding you to complete your fasting days accordingly with the correct etiquette and manners. And as for the one who is falling short 
regarding their siyam and their qiyam, then it's upon the individual to know that it's from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we still have more days. We have 15 or so more days, 14 or so more days of fasting. So in it, the individual again increases in the love of Allah, in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from His mercy has given you an opportunity or given us opportunities that we can increase in our ibadah, in our dua, in our uh, sadaqat, in giving charity, in good deeds and so forth. In these, uh, this second half of the month of Ramadan. So all of situ- these situations, whether you're situation one or situation two, should increase us in the love of Allah. And increase us in exerting more effort to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq that we... Uh, fulfill our purpose in this life, in this world and that is to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed with ikhlas, sincerity, sidq, truthfulness wa tamassuk and clinging to the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we continue this after uh, this uh, or during this uh, last part of Ramadan and likewise we continue afterwards uh, Today inshallah we continue with this type of ibadah and that is the ibadah of seeking ilm that, that worship of seeking knowledge and this no, no doubt is an important type of ibadah because in it is built other ibadat by seeking knowledge other types of worship emanate from that and that is that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala basira. We call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship Him upon insight and knowledge. So we continue today with the Kitab al-Siyam min umdat al-Ahkam li abdughan maqdasi rahimullahu ta'ala. Na'am, we've reached a statement where he says, Babu al-Sawm fi safari wa ghayrihi. And that is the chapter concerning fasting whilst on a journey and other affairs related to it the first point that we're going to deal with here ibadallah my dear beloved ikhwa wa akhawat brothers and sisters is what is a safar what is traveling and many of the ulama have had difference of opinions as what constitutes traveling as what constitutes traveling. And the correct opinion from amongst all of these opinions is the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullahu ta'ala. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullahu ta'ala in which he, he mentioned and likewise ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah that traveling is that which is known linguistically as traveling to the people. Yani the uf as well. The way of the people. And it's known as Mufaraqatul Mahalil Iqama Alawajhin Yusemma Safran fi Ufin Nas. And that is leaving your place of residence, your initial place of residence, 
towards a place which is or a situation which is considered traveling towards a situation which is considered traveling in the words and the understanding of the people what does this mean it means that for example if you are living in Medina and in Medina we have a place called Aziziyah and we have a place called Sultan. It takes about 45 minutes to get from, um, or half an hour to get from Sultana to Aziziyah. But it's not considered traveling as it relates to the understanding of the people of Medina. And another example is traveling from Lagos to Abuja in Nigeria, for example. This is known, as I'm sure you all agree, that this is known as a journey amongst the people in Nigeria. This is what is known as traveling. So that which is considered as traveling from the earth of the people and the, that which is known amongst the people, this is what's considered traveling. This is what's considered traveling. Ibn Uthaymin, rahimullah ta'ala, he states in some of his works that if the people differ as it relates to whether it's traveling or not. We have that situation in England for example, Slough and London. Some people consider Slough to be out of London, so if you travel from London to Slough, you're traveling. And others believe it's relatively the same city. In this situation, it's better to consider yourself not a traveler, ihtiyatan. It's better to consider yourself not a traveler out of precaution. Because it's differed upon amongst the people of that area, Urfan Nas. So when we talk here in this chapter on this uh, this chapter on, on, on fasting whilst on a journey, that which is considered a journey is indeed that which is uh, based on the the Urf of the people. Now why has this opinion been taken? And that is because there isn't any specific hadith narration or verse in the Quran that has explicitly shown the distance as it relates to what constitutes traveling. So therefore Allah has left it as the word suffer. Whoever from you is sick or on a journey. Allah left it like that. And the Messenger وسلم, as you will find in these up and coming narrations mentioned suffer traveling as it relates to uh, the wording without any detailed um, Clarification, meaning traveling is according to what the word means. Traveling is according to what the word means, a in the tongues of the people. Now, if I were to tell you uh, uh, a place in Lagos, which is just round the corner, you don't consider that traveling. But the people consider traveling from Lagos to Abuja, and that is traveling. And the people consider from London to Birmingham, this is traveling. And some people, the people consider from uh, uh, Hounslow to um, East London that that's not traveling. They consider they don't consider that traveling. This is from the wisdom of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So indeed, the correct opinion is that traveling is that which is considered traveling with the people. Qala al-Mu'allif rahimullah, the author he said rahimullah al-Hadith al-Awwal. The first hadith as relates to this new chapter. وَهُوَ عَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا 
أن حمزة بن عمرو الأسلمي رضي الله عنه قال للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أأسوم في السفر وكان كثير الصيام فقال إن شئت فصم وإن شئت فأفطر عند إذن عائشة رضي الله عنها أم المؤمنين another narration from Aisha she said that Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami رضي الله عنه that he said to the messenger sallallahu or the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam should I fast when I'm traveling and it is said that he was an individual who used to do a lot of fasting فقال and then he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam if you wish you can fast and if you don't like to or if you don't want to you don't fast yani when you're traveling regarding this first hadith we'll deal with a few points bi'idnillahi ta'ala rabbil arshil azim the first point is the tarjama of the rawi the narrator of this hadith and the narrator of this hadith is umm al mu'minin aisha radhiyallahu anha and we have indeed studied her biography and we don't need to repeat that again as no doubt we've established in previous lessons point number 2 and that is the title of this hadith the title that we can write for this hadith this first hadith is hukm as-siyam fi as-safar the ruling of fasting whilst you're traveling the ruling of fasting whilst you're traveling or whilst on a journey this is the title of this hadith point number 3 point number 3 is the sahabi radiyallahu anhu that's mentioned in this hadith and that is hamza ibn amr al-aslami hamza ibn amr al-aslami this companion radiyallahu anhu his name is ab or his name is hamza as you know and his kunya is abu salih Abu Salih his kunya is Abu Salih and he was born 10 years before the migration to Medina so he was a young companion radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and he was known to be an individual who was frequent in fasting as is mentioned in uh, this hadith wa kana kathiru siyam he used to fast a lot it was an individual who used to do a lot of ibadah especially as it relates to siyam fasting and it is reported that he had this is from his own narrations from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he wasn't an, uh, a sahabi that narrated a lot from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wa ala alihi wasallam and from the mentioning of hamza radiyallahu ta'ala anhu in the kutub as-sunan is that he was the one who gave the glad tidings to Ka'b ibn Malik regarding his tauba being accepted he's the one that went and ran to Ka'b ibn Malik who repented and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed his the acceptance of his repentance and he Hamza was from those who went to Ka'b ibn Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu to give him the glad tidings of Allah's repentance Allah accepting his repentance which is why they called him they said he was the bashir he was the one who gave the glad tidings 
radiyallahu ta'ala an ashab nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajma'in and he died in the year 61 so he died later from the latter uh, part of the first century he uh, of, of, of al-islam he was the one who uh, he died in the year radiyallahu ta'ala anhu 61 point number 4 point number 4 is some benefits that we can take from this hadith and that is number 1 the hills of the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhum ala al-ilm li ya'lamu aw ya'lamu bihi aw ya'malu bihi and that is that the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhum they they had this urgency and enthusiasm in seeking knowledge as you can see in the questioning of hamza uh, ibn amr abu salih abi salih radiyallahu ta'ala anhum questioning and asking uh, the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and likewise aisha the narrator radiyallahu ta'ala anha ummul mu'minin benefiting from the response of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and then spreading this narration to her students up until it's come to us today and this is from the hills and, and the, the the urgency in, that is placed in that the sahaba that they had radiyallahu anhum in seeking ilm and we should benefit from this and have the same and try to imitate their urgency in asking beneficial questions and seeking ilm knowledge uh, in order to act and implement that knowledge and to disseminate that knowledge benefit number 2 takhir al musafir bayna siyam wal fitr and this hadith is a is a strong hadith narrated to show the permissibility for an individual when they are tra- traveling or when they're in a, on a journey to choose between uh, breaking uh, their fast or continuing the fast while they were traveling as the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said in shitta fasum wa in shitta faftir if you wish you fast uh, break your fast and if you if you if you wish you fast you can fast and if you choose to you can break your fast benefit number 3 and that is sihat as-sawm ramadan fi safar and that is that it is permissible to fast in the month of ramadan and some of the ulama held that it is not permissible so that rather that the individual to take the rukhsah from man kana minkum maridan aw ala safarin fa iddatun min ayamin ukhar where uh, where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said and whoever uh, is sick from amongst you or traveling then they should make it up some of the ulama held that you should make it up you shouldn't fast when you're traveling this hadith is a proof that it is permissible to fast when you're traveling point number 4 and that is the ease yusr shari'at al-islamiyah and that is the ease that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed for the creation and the believers and the ibad and his servants as it relates to his legislation because we know as the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned in the another hadith as-safar qit'atun min al-'adhab that traveling is a portion of punishment is difficult no matter how short the tr- journey is you're away from the 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 tranquility of your home you probably are are, are not you don't have as much uh facilities as you would do at home there's some slight of difficulty in the journey and tiredness and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
has legislated this deen of Islam to make it easy upon the ibad. And this is an example of this. Benefit number five. And that is that فِيهِ إِذْبَاتُ الْمَشِيئَةِ لِلْعَبْدِ وَبُطْلَانِ مَذْهَبَ الْجَبَرِيَّةِ And this is a, a point or benefit that can take, be taken from this hadith مِنْ al الْعَقِيدَةِ Regarding the way that we should believe in Allah and believe as it relates to that which Allah has revealed subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is in it, barakallahu fikum, is an affirmation of the will of the abd. And that is that the slave, the servant has a choice, has a will. And this is a refutation against one of the groups of the Qadariyya, the Jabariyya, who say that the human, the human beings do not have a choice. They are like leaves on a tree on a windy day. Meaning, leaves on a tree on a windy day, they just blow left to right without any choice because it's just the wind is in control. So they say that we, the slaves of Allah, are like the leaves on a tree. We move without choice and we don't have a choice. And this is one of the deviant groups, early deviant groups. And this hadith, barakallahu is indeed a refutation against that. Why? The Messenger وسلم, said, In shitta, if you want and if you will, meaning that he is affirmed that we have a will. Fasum, wa in shitta, and if you will, or choose to, faftir, faftir, and break your fast if you will. So it's affirming the will of the abd. A final benefit that we're going to bring for this hadith is minahit al usul from the fundamental principles of usul of fiqh. And that is that in this is, أن الأمر قد يكون للإباحة لوجود الصارف. And that is that a command can necessitate or be, uh, can just be uh, indication of it being permissible. Meaning that there can be a command and that command does not necessarily mean it's obligatory or it's indeed preferred. It could just mean it's allowed. And that is that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he used the fi'l amr, which is the prep uh, the uh, uh, the imperative form of a verb. Fi'l amr, the imperative, the command. And he said, Fasum. So fast. This is a command. But it does not necessitate obligation, which is the origin of a command, is that it, uh, it necessitates that you have to do it. But this hadith proves that occasionally the command, if there is a proof and evidence, can indeed indicate that it is just mubah, it is allowed. And that is the state here in this hadith. In fasum, wa in If you want, fast. If you want, break your fast. The context indicates clearly that this command is not a command of obligation, but is a command which necessitates here, particularly, alibaha. That it is indeed permissible or allowed. Al-Hadith al-Thani. After that we finish the first hadith. And we move on to the second hadith. And there are, of course there are some rulings. That inshallah we're going to extrapolate from. Uh, all of the narrations inshallah. At the end. To come, uh, uh, come uh, to a conclusive uh, end. As it relates to the affair of fasting when you're traveling. But let's deal with the benefits and issues hadith, hadith and hadithan.
by each hadith. The second hadith, and Anas bin Malik, radiyallahu ta'ala an, qala kunna nusafiru ma'a nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam falam ya'ib al-sa'imu ala al-muftir wala al-muftiru ala al-sa'im. Where Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu, he said that we were traveling with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the one who fasted did not find fault in the one that broke his fast. And the one that broke his fast did not find fault in the one that fasted. And this is a hadith, no doubt, is in Bukhari and Muslim. Aynam. Benefits regarding this hadith. Al-Fawaid al-Mustakhrajah min al-Hadith. Number one. Al-Rawi, or the Masa'id that we're going to take from this hadith. The first is Al-Rawi, Tarjumat Al-Rawi, the biography of the narrator. And the narrator is Anas ibn Malik. Radiyallahu. Ta'ala anhu, Abu Hamza. And we, Barakallahu Fikum, have studied his biography in the previous lessons, in the previous narrations. So we're not going to repeat his biography again, going in accordance to that which we've established in our objectives of these lessons. Point number two, Mawdu al-Hadith, a title that we can place on this hadith. The title, suitable title, that Al-Alam Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala has placed in this, on this title is Hukm al-Sawmu Ramadan wa Fitrihi fi-Safar The ruling of fasting in Ramadan and breaking the fast whilst traveling. Point number two. And, and that is that this fast, Barakallahu Fikum, was in Ramadan. This fast was in Ramadan, as is established in various narrations. And Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu is informing us that he traveled with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or they traveled with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they were in a journey. And he said, فَلَمْ يَعِبْ الصَّائِمْ عَلَى الْمُفْتِدِ That the fasting one did not find fault in the one that was not fasting which is a proof that it was in ramadan it was an obligatory fast otherwise they know that if it is not an obligatory fast there's nothing to find fault in anyway but the fact that he said radiyallahu ta'ala an falam ya'ib sa'im al-muftir that the one that was fasting did not fault the one that was not fasting this is clear indication contrary to the opinion of some it's an indication that it was an obligatory fast and it was indeed a fast of Ramadan. Some benefits that we can take from this hadith. Number one, the permissibility to, to, to break your fast and fast when you're traveling. And that is because the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he did not respond in a negative way to the actions of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhu. Aqarrah. He acknowledged the actions of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhu that some of them were fasting and others were not fasting. And as we know the definition of the hadith as it relates to the ulama of the sunnah 
is ma udifa ila al-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min qawlihi wa fi'lihi wa taqriratihi and that is that the definition and the comprehensive definition from the scholars of hadith as it relates to what is the hadith of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what do we understand what does that mean they defined as Hafid ibn Hajar and other than them have said the definition of the sunnah or the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that which has been ascribed to him ma'udifa ila al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that which has been ascribed to him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from his statement like innama al-a'malu bin-niyat from his statement like the statement of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam verily actions are by intentions wa af'alihi and his actions like sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli pray as you have seen me pray meaning what look at the actions of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and how he prayed and the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrated upteen narrations as it relates to the what they saw from the actions of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam in in various ibadats like salah like prayer now min qawli wa af'ali and taqriratihi and that which he has acknowledged that which he has acknowledged meaning that it was done in his presence and this is an important understanding of the hadith of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that it was done in his presence and he did not reprimand the doer for the one that didn't do it in this case and that is an example here in this hadith so this hadith if you are asked what is the proof of the acknowledgement of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam as being a hadith this hadith and anas ibn malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu which is easy to memorize is indeed a proof of that kunna nusafir ma'a an-nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam falam ya'ib as-sa'im al-muftir wa la al-muftiru ala as-sa'im we were traveling with the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he was there and the one who fasted didn't fault the one who didn't fast and, and vice versa so this is an example that the 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 uh, the taqreer or the acknowledgement of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is indeed a hujja it's a proof and it's an evidence and that which we can add to that is that there is a principle and that is la yajuz takhir al-bayan عند الوقت الحاجة and that is that it is impermissible to delay correcting or clarifying something at the point of its requirement or when it's needed and no doubt there is time is a month of Ramadan and some of them were fasting and others weren't fasting so if it was disobedience to Allah any of the two the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam who is the most used the most eager advisor from the creation he would have advised his sahaba there and then but he didn't say anything which means that it is an acknowledgement for the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam his silence is a is a acknowledgement sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he is the best of advisers and he would have advised if it was not permissible 
So this is a proof, barakallahu feekum, of what the ulama mention as relates to the taqrirat and the acknowledgement of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as being from his hadith and being as evidence and proof as is clearly shown here in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. And finally, again, and this is another example of the ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed with his legislation on the ummah. Again, by giving them the choice of breaking fast and the one who breaks his fast is not at fault and when they're traveling and the one who fasts when they're traveling is also not at fault al-hadith al-thalith after that we move on to the next hadith and that is the third hadith in this chapter wa huwa an abi darda radiyallahu an qala kharajna ma'a nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam في شهر رمضان في حر شديد حتى إن كان أحدنا ليضع يده على رأسه من شدة الحر وما فينا صائم إلا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وعبد الله بن رواحة رضي الله عنه And that is the Abi Darda Uwaymir, Sahabi Jalil Abid Zahid, Abi Darda radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, we went on an expedition or traveled with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the month of Ramadan. And it was immensely hot. And the heat was intense. So much so that one of us would use his hand to cover his head. So you can imagine how hot it was during that time. So they will use their hands and put their hands on their head to cover the, 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 themselves from, from the heat, from the Im, Im, immense nature of the heat, so they can cover themselves as a, as a, as a makeshift shade. Due to the immense heat. None of them were fasting, Except for the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Abdullah ibn Rawaha. Regarding this hadith, there's a few masail, a few issues that we can move and embark upon. The first is the tarjima of the Rawi. And that is the biography of this narrator. The biography of this narrator. And this narrator is Abu Darda, Sahabiyun Jalil. An illustrious from the illustrious companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Abu Darda, his name is Uwaymir. Uwaymir. His name is Uwaymir. Ibn Amir. Ibn Qais. So his name is Uwaymir. His father's name was Amir. His name was Uwaymir. His father's name was Amir. Ibn Qais. Grandfather's name was Qais. Al-Ansari Al-Khazraji. He was from the residence of Al-Madina. From the Ansar. From the Khazraj tribe. Aus wa Khazraj were the two main tribes. And he was from the tribe of the Khazraj. He was Khazraji, radiyallahu ta'anhu. Uwaymir ibn Amir ibn Qais al-Ansari al-Khazraji. 
He embraced Islam in the year of Badr, the Battle of Badr. And he was an individual who was uh, an Abid, a Zahid, abstained from the love of this world, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And he fought in the Ghazwatul Uhud, he fought in the Battle of Uhud, and all of those battles after that up until his death, radiyallahu anhu. He was from the ulama of the companions, radiyallahu anhu. And the messenger, and it's mentioned that the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, huwa hakim ummati. He is the wise one from my ummah. Abu Darda is the wise one from my ummah due to his knowledge. And Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu anhu, he said, iltamisu l'ilma inda arba. Iltamisu al-ilm inda arba. He said, radiyallahu anhu, and seek knowledge from four people. And from them he mentioned Abu Darda radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He had barakallahu a lot of knowledge as it relates to the ahkam and the rulings. And Muawiyah ibn Sufyan radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, he said Abu Darda min fuqaha. He said that Abu Darda was from the jurists. He was from the ulama. He was from the most knowledgeable from the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was put in charge by Uthman ibn Affan as a qadi, as a judge. In the, during the Khalifat or the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan And he died in the year 32 after the migration of the Messenger And a point of benefit is that we find that uh, the majority of narrators or the Sahaba that they have different kunyas from their wives as Aisha is Umm Abdullah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was Abu Qasim. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala had a different kunya from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And likewise, this occurred through many narrators of hadith that they had different kunyas to their wives. Abu Darda is one of the few narrators and sahaba of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who had the same kunya as his wife. His wife is mentioned and known as Umm Darda. He's Abu Darda and his wife is known as Umm Ad-Darda. So he has the same kunya as his wife. And the ulama have gathered names of narrators who have the same kunyas as their wives. And shows you the intricacy as it relates to the ilm or rijal. As it relates to the men uh, in, in narrations that they find out everything that they can as it relates to that narration. And this shows you the beauty of this deen of al-Islam, the beauty of the sunnah. Point number two. After this long biography of this illustrious Sahaba radiallahu is a modul hadith. And that, that is the title of this hadith again, Hukmu Sawmu Ramadan fi Safar. And that is the ruling of fasting uh, in uh, the month of Ramadan whilst traveling. And that is that uh, in this hadith explicitly is mentioned Ramadan. So this explains all of the previous narrations as well. 
that we have studied today, Hadith Al-Awwal Wa-Thani, the third, first Hadith and the second Hadith. And that is that Ramadan is explicitly mentioned in this Hadith, that we travelled with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam during the month of Ramadan. During the month of Ramadan. So therefore this is the title of the ruling of fasting uh, in Ramadan when you're travelling. And that is that in this Hadith, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam fasted even when he was hot, and so did Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiyallahu anhu. And the rest of the Sahaba, they didn't fast. So it's a very comprehensive hadith, again, related to this issue of fasting when traveling. The next benefit that we can take from this hadith is, or the next issue we're going to take from this hadith, is that this, uh, uh, some of the ulama have mentioned that uh, this was during the Battle of Badr. That they mentioned that this was during the Battle of Badr. Some of the ulama said that this occurrence was during the Battle of Badr. Is this correct? Or is this not correct? And in reality, Barakallahu Fikum, it's incorrect. And if you look in your notes, you can tell why this journey was not during the Battle of Badr. And I'm sure if you look at your notes, you see that Abu Darda, we mentioned that he became Muslim in the year of Badr. So, it doesn't, so he did not narrate it during the Battle of Badr because he didn't take part in the Battle of Badr. So it cannot be possible that he narrated this hadith if it was in Badr. So it wasn't in the Battle of Badr. It was before he embraced Islam. So this is an incorrect opinion that this was during the Battle of Badr. And some of the ulama have said that it is from the Ghazwat al-Fatih, which is the battle of the conquest yani of Mecca. Again, this is incorrect. Because Abdullah ibn Rawaha, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, he died before that. And he is from those who was mentioned in this narration in that he fasted. So it cannot be the battle of the conquest because uh, he died, radiyallahu anhu, he was martyred before that conquest. Now, after this we move on to some general benefits that we can take from this hadith. I just showed you a, a bit of insight in how the ulama deal with the wordings and hadith and extrapolate rulings and positions uh, from the narrations uh, that have been compiled now. Few benefits that we can take from this hadith. The first one is Jawaz of Fitr al Musafir for Ramadan, again showing the permissibility of fasting when you're traveling during Ramadan. And the second is a new addition to our lesson, and that is that it is afdal, it is preferred to break your fast if it's difficult for you when you're traveling. And this is the kalam of the majority of the ulama. That no doubt it is permissible to break your fast when you're traveling. And it's permissible to fast when you are traveling. But the question is which one is more virtuous? Which one is more virtuous? When you're traveling to break your fast? Or when you're traveling to complete and continue your fast? 
The ulama have mentioned that if it is different, alayk, if it's difficult for you, detrimental to your health, you cannot cope when you're traveling, it is better to fast, uh, to break your fast when you're traveling at that point. But if you are strong and you have the ability, then it is better for you to continue fasting, as Ibn Uthaymin mentioned, so you are not owing anything. So you are not owing anything from your fasting days. And some of the ulama said that indeed Allah, he loves that his rukhas, as we're going to mention in the next hadith, that his leeways, Allah loves that his leeways have been taken. So they say, rather, ala itlaq, that which is mutlaq, is that you should take the rukhsa and break your fast. But this hadith here is somewhat of a revelation, uh, refutation against that. Because here it was hot. And it, the sahaba used to put their, they put their hands on their heads to cover themselves from the heat. But still the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam fasted because it wasn't difficult for him. And Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and he, his kunya is Abu Muhammad and he's also from the Ansar and he was also from Khazraji like Abu Darda. He fasted. Which shows that if it was better to barakallahu feekum take the leeway as it relates to traveling the leeway that Allah has given for you to break your fast, the Messenger وسلم, would have done it. And so would have Abdullah ibn Rawaha. But no doubt, that which you can say that is a nice, conclusive uh, result that we can take from these narrations is that if it is difficult for you while you are traveling, it's better to break your fast. And if it is not difficult for you, like it wasn't for the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Abdullah Ibn Rawaha, then it is permissible for you to continue your fast now. And with this, Barakallahu Fikum, we have reached a 50-minute point of our lesson today. So we'll conclude with Allah Ta'ala until next week. We'll continue with the last two narrations in this chapter. بإذن الله تعالى رب العرش العظيم والله أعلم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين